Hello and welcome to Talk Julia. My name is David Amos. Hey, my name's Randy Davila. Randy, today we thought we'd talk about plotting in Julia, which there's quite an ecosystem now that exists for doing plots in Julia. But I think kind of the basic one that everyone starts with, or at least that I know you and I started with, is the plots.jl package. Right. And this is an awesome package. It's really simple to use and it makes quick plotting quick data visualization really easy and uh, i'm a big fan of it so uh to kind of kind of scroll around the documentation you'll find that it's very well documented so as we've mentioned before on the podcast some of the packages in julia haven't been documented as well as like we're used to or, or accustomed to from python but plots.jl is definitely one of the top documented packages to me. It's very easy to read through. They give you plenty of examples uh, to, to uh, kind of just play with, tweak, and um, I really encourage our listeners to go and take a look at it. With that being said, I can show you all some code real fast if I share my screen. Okay, so let's go ahead and just import the plotting package. So using plots. And what I think I want to do is maybe start with uh, just the basic syntax of visualizing functions, right? So suppose we want to visualize maybe like uh, the sign function, right? So I can define a domain using uh, linrange. Okay, so linrange is a function that takes as input three arguments. The first argument is your starting point. Your second argument is where you want to end, so for example, 2 pi. And your third argument is how many um, points you want in this range. So I'll just say 100 for now. So then I can call the plots plot function, just plot, and then pass in your x values, and then pass in your y values, which in this case would be sign broadcasted on domain. So this is the most basic way to plot uh, X and Y arrays, right? So yeah. it's going to take a second to, to load the first time that you call these things, uh, but it should pop up soon. So there we go. So this is the most basic form of the plot you'll see, and automatically it looks great to me, right? It looks not to talk any like bad about matplotlib, but if you just do the very bare minimum with matplotlib in Python, it does not look this good, <laughs> right? Yeah. So that's kind of nice. And one of the reasons why plots.jl is out of the box nice is that it's really like a, um, what's the, the word that they use? It's, it sits above other backends like gr, pyplot, pgfplotsx, or plotly. And all of these are just available to, um, to uh, the plots.jl package. So, for example, if you enjoy ggplot, or actually, let me share my screen with us so you can see this. You can set the themes uh, using pkg.add plot themes, but when, once you do that, you will have access to a bunch of different styles for your plots. So, for example, as I mentioned, ggplot is kind of a popular one in the R world. So, if I go yeah. back to my code here, I can set my theme. The ggplot. So 
up here underneath plots I'm gonna say theme and then pass in the symbol ggplot2. Now if I run that cell you'll see that it's a different style plot which is kind of nice and there's all yeah. sorts of ones um let's just like I'm just gonna randomly pick one maybe say uh lime <laughs> all right, let's see what that is <laughs> it's kind of high contrast <laughs> image in front yeah. of me um and I think Dracula is a popular one uh I spoke wrong no, I didn't maybe that's not currently available to me I'm just gonna try another one Dow all right so each of these will have like different um different use cases I suppose like if you're generating plots for like a paper or for um like uh student notes that you hand out if you're a, a professor or something like that um but I'm gonna go ahead and set it back to the default for now okay so Here's our basic plot, um, but as you can see, that there's no like X labels, Y labels. Um, the like the legend is not non-descriptive, and I always tell my students that this is like terrible. Whenever you <laughs> are making plots for other people, you need to uh, describe them. So what I can do inside of the plots function is start to slowly add on attributes to this this figure that we've made. So I can say like uh, maybe X label is equal to maybe like time, seconds, maybe, I don't know, and then Y label equal to, I don't know, distance in meters. So I'm passing these strings in, and then yeah. I'll see, like, it automatically formats it pretty nice. Now, um, oh, what about the legend here? So this is really easy. Just give it a label. And I'll give it the label, the string sign of X. And then run that cell again, and you'll see that it appears there. Um, so what else can we do? Well, in textbooks, when you look at like the sign functions and the trig function, I mean the cosine functions, um, oftentimes they'll be on the x-axis intervals of pi, right? Like pi over yeah. two, pi, two pi, three pi over two. So what we can do is we can set our x ticks by just simply typing x ticks inside of the plot function. And this argument, you can pass it different things, but my favorite to pass it is a tuple of arrays. So if I make a tuple of arrays, the first argument are the actual numerical values that you want to place the ticks at. So I could do, um, say, 0, uh, maybe pi over 2, and then a pi, a three pi over two, and then finally two pi. Okay. Now, if I don't give this tuple a second argument, so it's just like parentheses around an array, and I run this, you'll see that on the x-axis we have the numerical values that are in that that array. However, um, if you want to format it and make it look nice. I'm just going to copy this array here. So just copy that, and then come over here and paste it is the second argument. And now I'm going to put strings around each of these values. And what this is going to do is it's going to replace those numerical values down below with 
these exact strings. Which is kind of nice. Already it's starting to look like very textbook-esque, right? Yeah. Now, um, maybe I would like to now plot the cosine function as well. So the way to do this is by mutating the figure and calling the plot function again, but this time put the bang, the exclamation mark. And now I yeah. can just do domain, and now maybe cosine broadcasted on domain. And let's see what happens. Oh, the label is not in descriptive. That's bad. So I need to give it the label cosine. <laughs> cosine of x, like that. Um, oh, but now my legend is kind of overlaying on the cosine. See that? So yeah. what we can do in, is, like, in either one of these functions, plot or plot bang, we can specify where the legend is going to go um, with the legend argument. So legend. And you pass this a symbol of where you want it to be. So maybe, like, um, top left, I think, is one. Okay, come back up here. Now it's over on the top left. So I have to guess what the center one is going to be. Top center, maybe? I have no idea. I never put it in the center, so I don't know. <laughs> oh, that didn't work. Oh, you know where the best place to put it, though? Right here. <laughs> where? Bottom, bottom left. <laughs> bottom left, yeah. All right. <laughs> So, I think that's the best place to put the, the guy. Oh, I almost forgot we don't have a title. So, to put a title, we just have to pass it the title keyword argument. Um, you know, basic trig plots or something like that. And then we get something like that. Okay, that's a nice looking plot to me. Yeah. Um, so, this is pretty useful. Um, now, if we wanted to maybe like add points to this, we can use the scatter function. So scatter on top of this um, this this figure that we've made. However, I I think I'm going to wait to do scatter until I show everyone how to um, maybe add like make two figures instead of just one figure. Okay, okay so. Now, in the same cell, I'm going to say, okay, this guy here, I'm going to give that maybe P1. So I'm going to assign that to a variable. And then this one here, P2, assign that to a variable. But now I'm going to get rid of this bang function here, bang uh, in the name. And then I'm going to call the plot function, but now I can pass in P1 and P2. However, now I have to specify a layout. So how do I want these things to be laid out? Uh, maybe in a one by two grid. Let me see that. Oh, and yeah. now the <laughs> the title has been assigned to P two, so it only appears right there. So maybe yeah, I could, that's like, where you put it. Yeah. So maybe I can just say um, cosine plot there, and then go up here, and then say maybe. Um, sign plot. And you can see the differences in the plots where on the sign plot we have a nice 
X ticks, um, but in the cosine plot, not so much. And the legend yeah. is like all over the place, right? But this is to me very natural to do. The way that it feels, kind of stacking these together, is nice. Especially with um, this plotting these two um, figures next to each other in mm-hmm. Python with matplotlib, you have to do like the subplots um, method, and right. it's it's not as clean to me. Right? It's like you're dealing with an object instead of taking two figures and passing them into a function, which to me feels a little bit easier. So, okay, what's up next? Well, next I'm going to show everyone how to plot uh, scatter plots because that's kind of a very common thing to do. And to do this, I'm going to use the R datasets package. And then I'm going to look at this famous iris dataset by calling the R datasets dataset function. Pass in your first argument to this is the name of the um, the package where the data set is coming from and then the second argument is the uh, name of the data that you want now this is going to load in the data as a data frame so in order to manipulate and view this data I'm gonna have to also import data frames jl and then I can just maybe look at like the first few rows of this thing, this iris data set, by calling the first function. Oh, data frames, not data frame. <laughs> okay, so we see that we have this data here. Um, now, this data set consists of three different species of flowers, four different measurements, and I would like to visualize in two dimensions um, this data. So the way that we can do this is by maybe calling the scatter function from plots.jl and in the for the x values I'm going to pass in maybe the sequel length of this iris data set uh, and then for the y values I'll pass the sequel width like that um, and then maybe I'll just plot that what does that look like okay so we see a messy looking plot to me on the x-axis sequel length y-axis sequel width there's uh, only one colored marker. It looks like these are all the same species. Um, I can't yeah. distinguish the three different species at all. So what I can do is maybe, um, well, first off, I need to give my my axes labels. So I'll say x label equal to sequel length, and that is in centimeters. Y label equal to sequel width also in centimeters, and then um, I can pass in this group keyword. So group will be the species, right? So if I pass in the species column from that data frame, what's going to happen? Oh, nice. So that's one really cool feature about um, plotting with plots.jl and mixing this with dataframes.jl is that yeah. you can automatically generate a legend and the appropriate names based off of that column of data, yeah. which is really nice. Um, this These colors are kind of gross to me, though. Like I don't know what it is about the red and the green mixing together for the Versailles color and the Virginica. I'd like to pick better colors. So what I can do is pass in, um, I think it's 
marker color. Okay. And if I'm, I have to share my screen again. And we'll provide links to these uh, these these links here because they're not that easy to find. Like they're easy to find, but basically there are. If you go into the documentation for plots.jl, you can find all of the named colors and all of the the types of markers that you can use. So in front of me, I have um, just a page of all the possible colors that are kind of native to plots.jl that you can just pass in as like a string or as a um, uh, Julius symbol. So my favorite colors, I think, are dark sea green, or light sea green, magenta, and I don't know, fire brick. I don't know. <laughs> so, okay. Now let's make sure that I have my code up again. I think the keyword argument is market color. So hopefully this works. So fire brick as a symbol, light sea green as a symbol, and magenta as a symbol. There it goes. Okay. So what I passed in now um, to the scatter function was the keyword marker color equal to a row array, a row vector of symbols. So there's three different species, three different symbols that you pass in. It's kind of nice. Yeah. Um, it's a little bright for me, so maybe what I want to do above this is maybe uh, change my theme to ggplot2. All right, so looks pretty nice to me. Um, what else can I do? Uh, marker size. Maybe I can make this like a third dimension in a sense. So I could do like iris dot uh, width. And you can see... Uh, you got maker size instead of marker size. Oh, okay. Surprised I didn't give an error. Oh, they're like, they like disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so maybe what I can do is I can like maybe times this with like 10, see what happens. Okay. <laughs> um, well, they're like kind of overlapping with each other. It's hard to see. So what I can now do is pass in alpha. So this is like how transparent the markers are going to be. Yeah. 0.25 maybe. Okay. That's like a cool looking plot, I guess. So, um, yeah, I can't emphasize enough how awesome it is to uh, work with plotting um, data frame type data using plots.jl. Uh, because of that group keyword, that just makes life a lot easier for me, especially coming from yeah. like coming from Python, coming from the Python background. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, if you're using raw matplotlib, certainly things are more complicated. Um, if you're using like the pandas plotting functions, I think you get a lot of similarity with what you've got. Right. There, there is some similarity there. It's not as pretty looking to me, but it, there is similarity. Yeah, but I like the API for the Julia plot uh, function. It's really easy to just kind of guess at what things should be. Yeah. <laughs> um, 
and it ends up being i don't know it's just a little bit easier i think to wrap my head around um exactly what's going on there was a really great example in the last uh episode i did with uh bogomil kaminsky where he was showing a plot from his book julia for data analysis uh which is going to have some of this visualization and stuff in it but he was showing a fairly complex plot that shows up in at the introduction or the first chapter of his book and he showed the code for it and it's it's just using plots.jl uh and he had the data in like a string basically as like a csv file but like in a string um in uh in there and the vast majority of of the you know what was in the code file was just the data so the the plot itself was like i don't know 15 lines of code or something like that and you know it was a nice looking plot it was actually two plots side by side using the layout and everything so yeah super powerful uh super easy and I guess the nice thing about it too is it, you know, talking about like the multiple dispatch system and everything is, you know, the, the fact that like you don't have to have a special API to deal with the data frames. You just treat it like any other object you would pass into the plotting function and it, it just gets taken, taken care of uh, because of, you know, the, the way the multiple dispatch aids and all of that and everything. So that's something else that's really nice uh, about it is, you know, a data frame is basically just like a two-dimensional array. So, um, and a column in a data frame is just a vector. And, uh, you know, there's no special, um, you know, you don't have to do anything special with them to like convert them to like NumPy arrays or, or right, like you exactly, might have to do for like exactly. in Python or anything. It just knows how to handle uh, all of that. So, uh, that's something else that I really like about uh, plots.jl and just, you know, the Julia ecosystem. Yeah, and so plots.jl isn't the only package that exists for doing plotting in Julia. There's actually, at this point, there's several different packages that exist. There's quite a wide ecosystem. And there's an article, it's it's a little dated at this point. It's from October of 2020. Uh, by Emmett Boudreaux. Uh, article is called Julia Visualization Libraries, which is best. And like I said, it's a little bit dated, but it does have an overview of uh, some of the things, uh, some some of the more popular ones. So it starts with plots.jl, like we've talked about uh, so far, and uh, then mentions gadfly.jl. So Emmett says that gadfly is his favorite, or at least it was in October of 2020. I don't know if that's changed or not, but uh, it's a little bit different. So uh, Gadfly is written in pure Julia, just like plots.jl is, uh, but it renders a lot faster, uh, according to Emmett, and uh, also includes some different like interactive uh, kind of stuff. So Gadfly.jl is largely based on the ggplot2 library for R, so the interface is going to be a little bit, you know, more in line with uh, with that. So if you are familiar with ggplot2 and are used to using that, then uh, the API might come a little bit more naturally to you. Uh, it works with Jupyter Notebooks and has tight integration with dataframes.jl. So it has all that stuff, but it's also got different interactivity. So you can do things like panning and zooming 
uh, and, and toggling and uh, has a, a large number of different plot types. So you still have a plot function looking at, you know, in the docs, examples of plotting, you still have a plot function. And in some cases, it actually looks pretty similar to plots.jl. Uh, some things are a little bit different. So you can give it, for example, a vector of functions and then just give it the the limits, like the lower and upper limits on the x-axis that you want to plot. So this is one way to plot both sine and cosine on the same uh, plot uh, in just a single line, as opposed to using like the plot function to plot sine and then using the plot bang to plot uh, cosine on top of it. So with Gadfly, you can do that in just a single uh, single line. And this this example here actually also shows a different approach to uh, stacking plots to make you know multiple plots in the same figure. So here you've got uh, three different plots, P1, P2, and P3. Uh, and then you can stack them using the H stack, the horizontal stack function, which is just a base Julia function. Uh, Gadfly may have made their own you know method on H stack here to handle plot uh, objects, but um, but yeah, you use this H stack and then you've got, you know, the three plots in a, in a row there. And to add to a plot using Gadfly, this is another kind of difference between plots.jl and Gadfly is you use the push bang uh, function here. So uh, if you have a plot P, then, you know, push bang and then pass P as the first argument uh, and then add stuff to it uh, that way. So you can build up plots using this push uh, like that. Wow, looking at the documentation, they just plot the iris data set to the, like, completely. There's so many different examples of plotting this iris data set that I'm looking at on my screen, and I like it. I've actually never used gadfly.jl. What are you looking at? I'm looking at... Um... Okay, why don't you just share your screen? Oh, <laughs> yeah. So here we have iris data set loaded using our data sets, just like I did a moment ago. Mm -hmm. But then look at this little, this plot right here, this, this horizontal plot. I don't understand exactly what's happening with the ge ge geom. It stands the for geometry. You can do these subplots and different stuff using these different geometries. Oh, I, see. I, I need to like actually read. It tells me right here. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then, okay. Going down some further, another uh, plot of the iris data set. But now, looking at a nice V stack of these things here. Yeah. Um, just looks really nice to me. And then, like here, they're combining like this, like like this grid stack. And it, I like the the automatic sizing that I see in front of me, generated by these positional arguments inside of the the gadfly plot functions yeah yeah so it's a different approach to like combining plots and everything but as you can see like here's another iris plot this is a different type of plot <laughs> yeah this is cool um i'm really into this i've seen a lot of people say that gadfly is one of their favorite uh plotting libraries but there's uh there's even more than just uh gadfly so gadfly is a good alternative I think specifically for like statistical type stuff, Gadfly is going to be. I just pulled really, that up. Yeah, that's really awesome. Like these density plots. That's yeah, there's a lot of keyword arguments here, but still, like they look nice, and that's especially for for like generating figures for like papers 
or student notes or things like that. Like this is, this seems pretty good. Yeah. Being able to make something that looks very nice and professional quality without having to do too much fiddling with, <laughs> with all that stuff is always a big plus. Yeah, this is, this is okay. This is very similar to the types of plots I see um, my colleague Catherine generate with R. So as you were mentioning earlier, yeah. this is kind of built off of R and it makes sense now that I'm looking at it. What are yeah, these it's jitter meant... plots? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what that is. Yeah, it's meant to be similar to the ggplot2 package uh, in R. So I guess that's what I'll be playing with later today. It, it looks pretty interesting. <laughs> so another option is the Vegalite package, vegalite.jl. Similar to ggplot2, it's got this... Uh, uses this traditional like grammar of graphics API. That's I think that's what the GG in ggplot2 stands for, grammar of graphics. You know, this example uh, shows you an example of like a, a scatter plot where you're taking uh, a car's data set and you're actually piping it into uh, this uh, macro. So, you know, kind of highlighting different different parts of the Julia language being used uh, for different uh, different things. And uh, Vegalite has a bunch of examples of different bar charts. So this at VL plot uh, is the Vegalite plot. And then you uh, you say, okay, I want a bar. But what's interesting is you take your data and you actually use the pipe operator to pipe it into this plot uh, thing. So again, kind of a little bit different approach. I also like that um, it seems to be that there are some good toy data sets inside of Vega datasets.jl. Yeah. Yeah, here's a Barley data set. <laughs> <laughs> so Vegalite is another another option. And, uh, and then there's also Makey, which uh, I've not used before. I really I haven't used any of these personally except for plots.jl. Um, but Makey is uh, a whole visualization ecosystem. Uh, it is supposed to have high performance and is extensible. And as you can see, it can be used for making uh, like animations. So uh, if you're watching this on YouTube, they've got a uh, you'll, you'll see on the screen a animation of the Lorenza tractor. Plots.jl also has that, but it doesn't rotate. Like that's rotating in front of me. <laughs> yeah, with Makey, so it's almost what from what I've noticed looking through the documentation, and everything. So in addition to having like animations, like you would think of for like animating a plot, there's also like a camera that you can animate. So you can actually move the camera around, and that'll move like the view you have of uh, of different things. So it's actually you can make pretty complex and involved animations with uh, with with Makey. I mean, you could zoom in into this and like fly around <laughs> the, the graph if you wanted to. And, uh, it's got, uh, I felt like the documentation was, was pretty good. There's like a basic tutorial. We're learning the different uh, basics of Makey and it's got, you know, it's a very different approach than, uh, than just plots.jl. So, uh, really the best thing I think to look at, I mean, if you want to learn it, I think going through this basic tutorial is a good first step, but in the documentation, there is, uh, see, not the API reference. Where is it? Uh, examples. Here we go. 
there's a, a plotting under examples and then plotting functions. There's examples of all the different plotting functions that they have. So there's this AB line uh, function where um, you can have different types of, of lines on there. Uh, they're in alphabetical order, so it may not make the most sense, <laughs> um, you know, just go through it if you're like learning it, but, um, but to make it easy to find, there's an arrows function that can be used to make these arrow plots and, um, and things like that, sort of like vector field diagrams and, uh, all sorts of stuff. You can do 3d plots. Uh, they've got band, different kinds of bar plots, box plots, you know, they've pretty much got every kind of plot, uh, you would think of some pretty cool looking density plots. There's also so the Makey ecosystem. So it's got four different backends. And so there's the GL Makey, the Cairo Makey, WGL Makey, and then this uh, RPR Makey, which is Radeon Pro Render that, uh, that does ray tracing for, for Makey scenes. So this is experimental, but uh, you can see some pretty interesting stuff here. So uh, this is kind of kind of what you see a lot of traditional ray tracing things you've got spheres shadows and things like that um so that's kind of interesting you can take your makey plots and you can do ray tracing in them and get some really interesting looking like topographical maps interesting. Where it works for both amd and so like amd radeon gpus but also works for nvidia gpus yeah yeah i think this is still experimental um so you know it's not like prime time yet, but yeah, you can do all sorts of interesting, interesting things. It's also got interactivity. So here you can see um, where they've got the ray tracing and then they've got these uh, different interactive uh, things they're using to kind of change aspects of, of uh, what's going on in the plot. And uh, you can do animations with it, with the ray tracing. So uh, here's an interesting one where you've actually got uh so, you know, the, the code is quite involved, but they've plotted this very realistic looking Lego figure using Mickey and this ray tracing engine and then animated it and made it walk across the, the screen. So you can do like really powerful kind of stuff with uh, with this, the ray tracing and the Mickey. And the last Thing I want to mention, there's so much more to talk about. I mean, there's GeoMakey for doing geographic plotting. VegaLite has geographic plotting. I think plots.jl and everything can all do the you know ge geographic type stuff with it. Um, GraphMakey for uh, for plotting graphs, and in plots.jl you have like the graph recipes package for plotting graphs. There's a graph plot uh, for plotting graphs. Uh, all sorts of different stuff in here. But one that I wanted to mention that I thought was really cool is this algebra of graphics.jl. So this is, again, kind of going back to this, you know, grammar of graphics style from like ggplot2. This is, uh, you can define an algebra of graphics based on a few simple building blocks that can be combined using the, the plus and the multiplication operators. Here's an example of making a frequency plot using the Palmer penguins data set. So uh, you can take the data from the penguins and you use this multiplication operator and there's this frequency function that you multiply that by. 
and then this you know mapping what you're going to map the frequency to so the species that's basically going to set what's on your x axis and the the frequency takes the count of that so you basically take your data you can multiply it by frequency and multiply it by mapping so again this goes back to this idea of like this algebra graphic so this is a very different way of looking at plots again very um, different yeah and uh you know makes for some like very concise code but may not be the easiest to like reason about the first time you uh you see it but i thought it was a really interesting approach kind of a neat thing to to look at and and maybe play around with maybe there's something there that makes a lot of sense for you and then the very last thing that i want to mention is just you know where to go to learn more about visualization in julia and get help with visualization in julia so the julia discourse has a visualization category and uh, it's quite active and there's all sorts of questions and discussion going on all sorts of discussions about visualization graphics images plotting it etc and uh, they've got links here to different uh, GitHub organizations that you can uh, you can see for different uh, resources there. But yeah, highly active and lots of discussion going on there. That's a great place to go to get uh, some help or to just learn more about visualization uh, in Julia. Well, I think we covered a lot of ground today, Randy. Yeah. <laughs> now I think each of us have a lot of things that we probably want to go play around with and take a look at <laughs> for sure um yeah gadfly looks pretty awesome to me and i think um it would impress my uh my statistician <laughs> colleagues that are always griping <laughs> about like python plots awesome well thanks for hanging out and talking julia with me all right see y'all all right bye